Namaste and Hariyom. Welcome to the second episode of All About Dharma initiative uh, that we have started recently. Uh, what I want to talk about today are some misconceptions about our dharma that uh, we all have. And uh, primarily here, our choice of words that we use to translate the terms from Sanskrit into English, that I believe needs to change with time. So let's start with a prayer to Sri Krishna. Mukam karoti vachalam pangum langhayate girim yakrupatamaham vande paramanandamadavam. Now, uh, there are many translations of such beautiful Sanskrit verses, and I picked up one translation from uh, the internet, uh, and it, it says the following. I salute that supreme bliss, Madhav, by whose mercy the dumb become most eloquent and the lame are able to jump over the mountains. Now, in today's world, nobody uses the word dumb and lame. So a better translation, more modern translation would be salutations to Sri Krishna, who is the personification of supreme joy by his grace. Even the speech impaired can speak with eloquence and the disabled can climb mount, climb a mountain. So we need to change our words with time uh, and not use old fashioned uh, words that are no longer appropriate in the context in which they are used. For example, the word dumb should be replaced by speech impaired and the word lame by disabled. And now uh, there are many other words like that. So one such word that comes to mind is cult, C-U-L-T, cult. In a recent title from the internet, I picked up this particular uh, um, sentence, the bhakti cults connected with Brahminical Hinduism, Buddhism and Jainism had their roots in theism uh, by somebody's article or a book on the internet. Now, if you look at the meaning of the word cult on freedictionary.com, it says a religion or religious sect generally considered to be extremist or false with its followers often living in an unconventional manner under the guidance of an authoritarian charismatic leader. So what this tells us is that our use of the word cult as in bhakti cult or Vaishnava cult or shakta cult, which you find in many well-known books even used today should be inappropriate and should be replaced by denomination such as bhakti denomination, Vaishnava denomination, or sampradai, if you like, uh, there is no harm in using the original Sanskrit word, Vaishnava sampradai or Shakta sampradai, rather than Shakta cult or Vaishnava cult, very negative meaning is conveyed uh, by these words. And so we have to be very careful with the words that we choose uh, to translate our Sanskrit terms into English. Uh, similarly, when we refer to dates, for example, from the internet, you find Siddhartha Gautama, who would one day become known as Buddha, enlightened one or the awakened one, lived in Nepal during the 6th to 4th century BC. And BC stands for before Christ. Similarly, from the internet, uh, Adi Shankaracharya was born around uh, 788 AD in a village named Kaladi on the banks of the river Purna, now Periya in Kerala. And AD stands for Enno Domini, uh, year of our Lord. 
Now, these uh, more modern uh, way of saying these dates, uh, BC is replaced by BCE before the common era and AD is replaced by CE that is after the common era. So we will now say that uh, Gautam Buddha uh, lived in Nepal uh, during the 6th to 4th century BCE before the common era and Adi Shantaracharya was born around 788 CE, common era rather than AD. So let us switch to a new method of specifying historical dates. If you ask your uh, daughter or son or grandson who is in high school, they will be taught BCE and CE rather than BC and AD. Uh, now, the most important, as far as I'm concerned, the word that we use to translate uh, the word Murti into English. And the most common use of the word in this context is idol, I-D-O-L. And you can see the newspapers in India and many books and so on. News about Bhagwan Sri Ganesh idols in Mumbai. News about Goddess Sri Saraswati Ji's idols in Mumbai. Cross, but now, if you, if you look at the meaning of the word idol, you find something very disturbing. Uh, so one of the meanings of the word idol in Merriam-Webster dictionary is a representation or symbol of an object of worship and then broadly a false god, F-A-L-S-C, false god, Juta, Juta, Ishwar. So, and similarly, if you are used to using cross, doing crossword puzzles, if the clue is false god and the word is expected to be four letters, almost surely it will be idol, I-D-O-L. So if idol, at least one of the meanings is false god, why should we continue to uh, translate the word murti into idol? Uh, I know that Britishers probably gave this translation to us and because in their mind, all the uh, murtis that we have had represented false gods. And we continue, continue with that tradition without uh, paying, uh, paying uh, heed to the fact that what we are saying is, look at my false god Ganesh. Uh, so we should instead use the word statue or icon or simply murti. Now many Sanskrit words are, have uh, uh, come into English in their own. And therefore, like karma, guru, dharma, etc. So murti will also be accepted in the future. So never ever in my mind should we use uh, the word idol for our beautiful murtis, uh, Ganesh idol or Krishna idol. Or, uh, never. Uh, we should always say a statue or murti of Sri Ganesh. And a similar uh, one is the word myth. Uh, myth, if you look at the translation of the word myth in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, it says a person or thing having only an imaginary or unverifiable existence. And therefore, the word mythology that we sometimes use for our um, uh, Hindu uh, stories uh, should not be the proper translation. Uh, instead, uh, I would suggest we use our ancient history or from our sacred texts. Since, uh, for example, by saying that the uh, story of Krishna is mythology, Indian mythology or Hindu mythology, we are uh, automatically saying that Krishna never existed. But many believe, and I do believe, for instance, in the historicity of Krishna. And therefore, the word Hindu mythology is misplaced, if at best, and it should be 
whenever we men, uh, mention such, uh, want to mention such things, we should say Hindu Shastras or Puranas or Ithyasas or epics uh, or our history. Uh, and uh, similarly, the word God uh, is uh, used to be used with great care. So, for example, oftentimes people will say Hindu God with a little g o d. I would rather use Bhagwan. Uh, and again, the translation uh, is misplaced here uh, because then we are automatically led to the fact that there are many gods and Hindu God is somehow a uh, lesser God with a little g rather than capital G. So whenever we are, we are um, expected to translate the word Devata or Bhagwan, I would, I would uh, keep either Bhagwan or Devata uh, or if I must translate, I use the word deities. Uh, the Sanskrit word Devata is properly translated into English word Deity, D-E-I-T-Y. And another very interesting term that we often use is Lord Krishna. Now, Lord is, is a, uh, is a noble, noble person in England. And why would uh, we bring down uh, Bhagavan Krishna to the level of a simple Lord in uh, British uh, uh, nationality? And therefore, I would suggest we use the word Bhagwan Shri Krishna rather than Lord Krishna. Um, and um, uh, there are other simple confusions like this. For example, uh, people often confuse between Srimad Bhagavat, which is a Puran, and Srimad Bhagavad Gita. Now, words seem very similar, but so that suggests that we should we should know the at least in a broad sense our scriptures. And our scriptures can be divided broadly into two groups. One is called Shruti, S-R-U-T-I or S-H-R-U-T-I, Shruti. And the other is called Smriti, S-M-R-I-T-I. Uh, so the Shrutis are primary scriptures and Smritis are secondary scriptures in some way. And so if there is ever a confusion or disagreement between a Shruti uh, text and Shruti text, Shruti will take priority over Shruti. And Shruti primarily consists of four Vedas and within the Vedas, the Upanishads. Uh, and so Upanishads are the uh, philosophical core of uh, our Dharma, our Sanatana Dharma. On the other hand, the Shruti books can be divided into many subgroups. Uh, the most important one being the Itihasas or the histories <coughs> or epics called Ramayana and Mahabharat and Puranas. There are may, many Puranas, uh, most prominent ones being Srimad Bhagavat uh, and, uh, uh, and um, uh, Vishnu Puran uh, and uh, Shiv Puran and so on. And Skanda Puran is very well known because Satyanarayan Katha is obtained from Skanda Puran. There are many other Purans uh, and yet another uh, type of Smriti text is called law books, like uh, uh, or Dharma Shastra, they are called. Manu Smriti is one of the law books. Yagnavalkya Smriti is another law book. And Parashar Smriti is another law book. Now, I am told that law books are supposed to change with time. Some things that were uh, very appropriate uh, thousands of years ago may not be appropriate in current day world. And so uh, we have to uh, change with time with, uh, with respect to how we behave with each other, 
how we uh, treat our our women how we treat our uh, husband and wife treat each other and so on these things can and should change with time and therefore the law books are supposed to change with time and many of the uh, criticism that is uh, levied by people who like to criticize hinduism are primarily coming from the law books or the dharma shastras and we have to tell them that the dharma shastras are subject to change with time uh, and uh, so we we should we should be very cognizant of that fact uh, the uh, then the other key notion is that what is god uh, notion of god in hinduism and it is a very hierarchical notion but the, at the top level uh, we believe in oneness of all creation and that each and every particle in the universe is uh, has the presence of divinity in it so god is all pervading or immanent as uh, the proper word in english uh, for it now this immanence that is all around us there is nothing but god is uh, very much embedded in uh, not only uh, scriptures but many of the popular bhajans Uh, devotional hymns that is uh, all over you find this notion uh, and but what hinduism also says that god is not just all this uh, in creation but it is also beyond because it is a well known fact that at one point in time the universe did not exist and it came from the black hole uh, and therefore uh, hinduism says that god is not only in and through all creation but also beyond and that notion of god that is beyond creation is called brahman transcendental notion of divinity and notion of god as all pervading in the universe is called ishwar so god uh, in the highest level is called brahman uh, that which is beyond uh, beyond um, uh, senses beyond mind beyond intellect and beyond the universe whereas uh, the ishwar is all pervading notion of god now since uh, it, god has many different functions uh, and it is also very difficult for most people to uh, to uh, meditate on or pray to uh, transcendental notion of god brahman or the immanent notion of god ishwar therefore in order to help us uh, to pray or to meditate on uh, the divine they came up with various formful uh, notions of divine such as the creator uh, brahma ji uh, preserver vishnu ji and reabsorber uh, shiv ji and each of these deities uh, are are not different from each other uh, they are uh, one and the same uh, At, at the at the at the base and each of them has their consort so saraswati ji is the consort of brahma ji and saraswati ji is the is the goddess of knowledge and since for creation you need knowledge so it is simply the power of brahma ji to be able to create the universe and similarly in order to uh, to uh, sustain the universe vishnu ji needs uh, wealth or methods of producing wealth so lakshmi ji is a consort of vishnu ji in the sense of the power of vishnu bhagwan similarly 
Parvati ji is uh, representing spiritual knowledge, and in order to uh, uh, reabsorb properly any living entity, uh, you need spiritual knowledge, and therefore the power of Shivji is uh, the is Parvati ji. Uh, and so these are not different from each other. We must remember that these are not different from each other, and therefore um, uh, we should think of uh, only one God, namely. Brahman or Ishwar, and these different forms are the ways to meditate on the immanent or uh, transcendent. Our objective should always be to reach that level of understanding, that level of um, uh, feeling that all around us is nothing but God. And uh, so, um, with that, uh, I will. Um, and in fact, the the. Uh, Greeting that I often like to use is Hari Om. Tells you precisely that Hari is um, another name for Vishnu Bhagwan, and the word Vishnu itself means that which pervades each and every atom of the universe. So by saying Hari, we are saying that we admit that the world is full, the universe is filled with God. God is in the universe, and Om is a symbol of Brahman. The transcendental notion of divinity. So we are say, by Om we are saying that God is transcendent. So by saying Hari Om we are saying the uh, the principal uh, uh, notion of Hinduism that God is everywhere and beyond everywhere. God is immanent and God is transcendent. With that I will close today's uh, session. Thank you and Hari Om. <laughs>